0: We're in a series called Roommates, Bad Dates, and Great Mates. One of my passions is relationships. I love to teach on relationships. And, and today, my goal is to talk to our singles. Now, married folks, don't tune me out. Now How many of you married folks know that all of us need to tune up from time to time? Come on now. Come on, got to get the old chains, the spark plugs chains, Come on. And so you're going to benefit from this. God's going to help you and light a fire in you and help you. So don't tune me out. Tune me in because there are going to be some principles that will impact your life and your marriage. But I want to talk to our singles. We probably have 30%, 30, 40% of our church comprised of singles. And, and I want to talk to you today things to consider before you say, I do. Singles all the time, they, they say, man, I'm, I'm looking for that right person. I'm looking for that right spouse. And sometimes ladies will say, you know what, Herbert? All the good men are taken. No more good men left. Men will say, Pastor, I just can't find that right woman. I just can't find the right woman. And hear me, when it comes to having a great marriage, it's not just about finding the right person, it's about being the right person. It's not just about finding the right spouse, it's about being the right spouse. Did you realize in America, in every single state in America, that it's more difficult to get a driver's license than it is to get a marriage license? I mean, you want to learn how to drive? You want to drive? Oh, yeah, we're going to make sure you pass the test. You know how to parallel park. We want to make sure you understand the road signs. We want to make sure that you understand what that red light means, that yellow light means, and that, and that green light. I still don't know what the yellow light means. I go. I mean, just go fast, quick. <laughs> I guess it's what it means. <laughs> but, man, we, we want to prepare you how to drive. Can I tell you something, friends? It is way more difficult to stay married your entire life than to drive your entire life. And yet we prepare you more for driving an automobile than we do for this thing called a holy matrimony. And what I want to do today, singles, is I want to help prepare you. I I want to give you some things to consider before you say, I do. If you have your bulletin fill in the blank, take some notes here. It will tremendously help your life out. Number one is this in your bulletin notes. Am I emotionally prepared? Am I emotionally ready to enter this marriage relationship? How many of you realize that there are some people that are just immature and they are not emotionally ready to get married? How many of you are dating somebody like that? Just wink at me. Just... Yeah, I see. Yeah. Not... Yeah. They're just immature. Grown and Immature. And you got to be emotionally prepared for this thing called marriage. Paul talks about folks who are still immature and they're grown. He says in 1 Corinthians 13 and verse number 11, When I was a child, I talked like a child. I fought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. You see, there's got to be a time in your life when you realize I'm an adult and I've got to mature and I have got to put the childish ways behind me. And there are some people they're 40 years old and they're still immature. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? 40 and immature. I mean, I'm 40. I'm a man. You'll get that later. Some of you just, just you went right over your head. I'll get a. I know I'm gonna get a letter from somebody. That's all right. Bless you anyway. Let, let me give you three three signs of being emotionally prepared three signs of being emotionally prepared for this thing called marriage it will not pop up on the screen but but just jot this down jot it down be sure college ignite experience jot this down jot this down number 1 is this you are emotionally prepared when you don't have to rush into marriage when you don't have to rush into marriage understand something about marriage you don't just try marriage You you don't check it out to see if it's for you. There's no money back guarantee. I mean, you don't check it out for 90 days, and if you don't like it, you return it. No, no, marriage is a lifetime commitment. Listen, I, I say this every year, but it's worth me repeating. Hear me, singles, when it comes to finding the right spouse, go slow and get to know. Go slow and get to know. Get to know the person you're dating. Get to know their family. Get to know their friends. You see, many people get married before they know each other, and they get divorced after they do. They're not prepared. They're not emotionally ready for Marriage that they rush into it, go slow and get to know let me say something else about rushing into marriage. Don't rush into marriage thinking the other person is going to make you happy. That's not a good reason to get married. Listen, if you're not already happy, you don't need to get married yet. The other person's job is not to make you happy. People think that. Oh, I just I just need to get married. I need me a woman. I got to have me a man. Oh, when I get married, things are going to change. I'll be a lot more happier. When I get married, I got to have me somebody. I can't be by myself. Listen, listen, listen. When I was looking for a spouse, I didn't want to marry anybody who couldn't live without me. Well, that's a dependent situation. My Lord, you codependent on me. Mm-mm. No, that's not going to work. And thank God I didn't marry anybody like that. I'm on, I wanted to marry a woman who could live without me but didn't want to. Amen. <laughs> yeah, she wanted. I mean, she was fine all by herself. She was happy. Listen, people think, here, here's a myth. People really believe this. When I get married, then I'm going to be happy. Listen, if you're miserable right now, don't get married. You're going to be miserable when you get married. And can you imagine when two miserable people marry each other? Oh, Lord, I mean my friend. Listen, nobody can make you happy but you. Listen, my wife Tiffany, she can't make me happy. gonna put on a nice outfit, put some makeup on, some perfume, and talk sweet to me. But if I want to be miserable, she can't make me happy. I got to make myself happy. I got to love the Lord. I got to have the joy of the Lord. And it's a myth thinking, I want to rush into marriage. I, I'm miserable now, so I'm gonna rush into marriage so I can be happy. Oh no. Don't do that. You have to be emotionally prepared to get married. There's a, a second, a second sign of, of, of being emotionally prepared. Number two is this you are emotionally prepared when selfishness is under control. Under control. You are not ready to enter holy matrimony if selfishness is out of control in your life. If everything is all about you, you're not ready to get married. Friends, listen, all of us have this in common. You may not own up to it. You may not admit it. But you have this in common with me. You see, let me tell you something about me. I love me. And I love people who love me. Oh, yeah, you just won't admit it, but you feel the same way. You love you. And you love people who love you. And can I tell you something? When it comes to the arena of marriage, it's not all about you. You getting married, now you have to focus your attention on someone else and meeting their needs. Let me tell you why a lot of marriages fall apart. Because either husband or wife are full of themselves. And it's all about them. And it will destroy and wreck a marriage relationship when selfishness is not under control. Here's what the Bible says about being selfish in Philippians chapter 2 verse 3 through 4. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Verse 4, I mean every marriage needs to apply verse 4 to their marriage. Each of you She'll look not only to your own interest. And that's what a lot of marriage, married people do. They look just to their own interest. It's all about them. But Paul says, don't do that. But also to the interest of others. And listen, when it comes to your marriage relationship, it's not all about you. Listen, yeah, you'll think about you. Yes, you, need, you, you have needs in the marriage relationship. But hear me today. You've got to have your selfishness under the control of the Holy Spirit. You're not emotionally prepared if selfishness is not under control. There's a third thing that I want you to see, a third sign of being emotionally prepared. Number three is this. You are emotionally prepared when you can make a decision to get married based on commitment and not just feelings. If you're thinking about marrying somebody just because of the way you feel, you do not need to marry them. You know, you ever met a lady who said, oh, 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 Herbert, you know, when, when he just touches my hand... Oh, I just get weak in the knees. <laughs> I know he's the one. <laughs> this makes me feel. You hear a young man say, "Oh, when I just get in her her presence, I, I just get tingles from the head of, of, of my head all the way to my toes. I just, I just feel tingles everywhere. I know she's the one. Oh, I love her. You're not in love. You're in heat. I need to throw some water on you, brother." You don't get married over tingles. Man, tingles come and go. Glory to God. Listen, you marry somebody because love is a commitment. Not about feelings. Matter of fact, you look at the definition of love, you don't see feelings in there. The definition of love is all about commitment. 1 Corinthians 13, verse number 4. Through seven. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but I want you to see the definition of love. Love is patient, that's commitment. Love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. I mean, that's commitment. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. You want a definition of love? It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Listen to me. Love is not about a feeling. It's about commitment. Thank God that you feel a certain way towards your spouse or or that future mate. But let me tell you, love is about a a commitment because feelings come and they go. And you are not emotionally prepared to be married if you're basing it on a feeling rather than a commitment. Number two, there's a, a second thing that you need to consider before you say, I do. Number two is this. Am I financially prepared? Financially prepared. Let me give you some advice. Singles, don't miss this. Do not marry someone for money. Don't do that. Marrying someone for money is lame and immature. If you marry someone only for money, that means you stay together only for money. Let me ask all of you married women a question in this place. How many of you married your husband for his money? No, because he didn't have any. That's right. He was broke when you met him. My Lord Timothy didn't marry me for money. I didn't have two nickels to rub together when she met me in college. I was broke. You don't get married over, over money. Let me tell you something about money. Money can come and money can go. And if that's your only reason to marry somebody, you're not ready to get married. The Scripture says in Proverbs 27 and verse number 23, Riches can disappear fast. That's not why you marry someone. Let me tell you something about money. Money don't make you. You make money. Money don't make you. You make money. Let me, get, let me give you a, a second, some second uh, insight here regarding being financially prepared. Number, number two is this. This is a personal question that you need to ask yourself. Do I have a strong work ethic? Do I have a strong work ethic? And you also want to marry someone who has a strong work ethic. Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs 28 and verse 19. Hard work brings prosperity. Playing around brings poverty. You want to marry somebody that will work hard. Ladies, marry a man who's a provider. Men, listen, when you're looking for a, a lady, marry a lady who's a who's a hard worker. I thank God for my wife. When we got married, man, we worked hard. She she worked hard. She was working and she was going to school uh, full time as well. And, and she's still working hard today. The, the lady that's had four babies in four and a half years. Thank you, Jesus. He's working. Amen. Working, Tiffany. Working. Marry somebody who is a hard worker, a strong work ethic. There's a a third insight I want you to see to being financially prepared. Here's another question you need to ask yourself. Do I honor God with my money by tithing and living within my means? If you're not doing that, you're not prepared financially to be married. Am I tithing? Am I putting God first? And and, and am I living within my means? What you don't want to do is enter a marriage relationship and God's not first and you're ending ending up living under a curse. And then second of all, you're not living within your means. You're not honoring God by living within your means. You see, it's not about how much somebody makes because there are some people who make a lot of money and they're still broke because they don't manage their money well. So you don't marry somebody based on how much they make. You want to look for somebody who is honoring God, putting God first by returning the tithe, and then they manage what they make well. They live within their means. Are you financially prepared for marriage? There's a third thing that you need to consider before you say, I do. Number three is this. Am I morally prepared? Morally prepared. Jesus said in Matthew chapter number 19, verse number 4 through 5, He said, haven't you read, He replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female. Please understand that marriage is between a man and a woman. Today, in some states, they are passing laws that are saying otherwise, that a man can marry a man and a woman can marry a A woman, but that's not scriptural. God blesses a marriage union between a man and a woman. Verse number 5. And Jesus went on to say, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh. Notice the Bible doesn't say a man will leave his place and move in with his girlfriend. A man will leave his place and move in with his fiance. A fiance will leave a lady will leave her place and move in with her lover. It's not, it's not scriptural. You leave and you cleave when you're you're married. The two become one flesh under a marriage covenant. That that's what God blesses. That's what God honors. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 4 says, Marriage should be honored by all. By all. And today that's not transpiring. In our world today, marriage oftentimes is looked down upon. People talk about marriage in a derogatory way. But the scripture says marriage should be honored by all. There are some single people that say, "Well, you know, I'm single, so that whole marriage thing—I don't care about that old marriage thing. Who cares? marriage? That's for married people. I don't care about marriage. I'm do my do my own thing." No, 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 no. The Bible says marriage should be honored by all. Marriage should be honored by married people, and marriage should be honored. It should be respected by single people. In other words, single people shouldn't do what married people do. they should honor marriage. They should respect. There are some activities that only belong in the marriage. Union. Marriage should be honored by all. And the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer. That's someone who is married and they're engaging in sexual activity outside of their marriage. Scripture says God will judge that. And the sexual, sexually immoral. That is those who are not married and they're engaging, engaging in sexual activity. The scripture says God will will judge that. I want you to hear the heart of God. I want you to hear my heart today as well. When God says no, when God says don't, when God says thou shalt not, when God says wait, He's not trying to be a joy killer, a thrill killer. He's not trying to keep you from having fun and pleasure. When God says wait and no, He does it for two reasons. He does it to protect you, And He does it to provide for you. God has your best interest in mind. He wants to protect you and provide for you. You see, God wants to protect you from unwanted pregnancies. He wants to protect you from sexual disease. He wants to protect you from sinning against your body. He wants to protect you from God's judgment, which the Bible talks about in Hebrews 13 and verse number 4. He wants to protect you from hindering your relationship with God. He he wants to protect you from comparison with other people. God wants to protect you from guilt and shame. He he wants to protect you from the heartache and the pain that comes from being sexually active outside of the marriage relationship. And I know what that pain and heartache is like because I didn't honor God when I was in high school and I was disobedient to God and His will. And I know what it is to have heartache and pain from engaging in activity before marriage. And God wants to protect you from that. Not only does God say wait, does God say no, does God say don't, does God say hold on to protect you, but He does it to provide for you. Can I tell you, God wants to provide His best for you. But when you take matters in your own hands, you decide you're going to live together, you're going to sleep around together before marriage, you, you, you don't get God's, you don't get God's best. God wants to to provide a clear conscience for you. It's a great thing when you can have a clear conscience and not live a life full of guilt and full of shame, full of condemnation. God, God wants you to enter your enter your marriage relationship with a special union. Can I tell you? It's special. It's special when a man saves himself and a woman saves themselves for holy matrimony, and they engage in sexual activity the day of their marriage. That's special, folks. God honors that. I, I wish I would have saved myself. My wife saved herself for marriage. And I wish I would have saved myself for a- our marriage relationship because God honors that. He, he blesses that. Not only does God want to provide that for you, but he also wants to provide emotional stability. He wants you to be emotionally stable. And you know this as well as I do. If you've blown it, If you messed around with this person and messed around with that person and messed around with this person and messed around with this person and and you've given your heart away to that person, you've given away a piece of your heart to this person, you give away a piece of your heart to that person, let me tell you, emotionally you're going to be a train wreck. Why they hurt me, I thought they said they loved me, I gave myself to them. And before you can enter a marriage relationship, you've got to have a lot of healing. The Lord has to work in your heart a lot because you get emotionally unstable when you just give yourself away to everybody because God never designed you to do that. You know else what God wants to provide for you? God wants to provide His blessing upon your life. There's nothing like living with God's blessing. There's nothing like living with God's favor upon your life. And when you do things God's way, you live with His blessing. He provides His favor upon your life and upon your marriage union. Hear me today, singles. Listen to me. Listen to me. Don't miss this. Here's what you have to do, singles. You have to set boundaries. Set boundaries in your life. Set boundaries from God's Word. Some of you are here and you say, Pastor, I've blown it. I'm like you. I've messed up. I've blown it. What do I do? Here's what you do. You repent. That means turn away from what you're doing. Some of you in this place, you got to quit engaging in sex outside of marriage. Some of you in this place, you got to make a tough decision and you got to move out. You're living together. You're not honoring God because you want God's blessings. you got to repent. you got to ask God for forgiveness. Thank God that he's a God of a second chance. I'm a living witness to that. And here's what you do. You set boundaries. And then once you set the boundary, you move as far away from the boundary as possible. Let me tell you what a lot of Christians do. They set up moral boundaries in their life, and then they get as close as they can to the boundary. Then they have a weak moment, and they fall right over. (laughs) No, 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 no. You want to set a boundary, and you want to get as far away from it as possible. So when you have a weak moment, you've got to have 25 steps to even fall over the edge. Let me tell you something about morality and, and honoring God. It's called the law. Write this down. The law of progression. The law of progression. I want to teach this to you today. The law of progression. That's what this law says. The more you do, the more you want to do. The further you go, the harder it is to remain pure. The further you go, the more it takes to satisfy you. The law of progression. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse number 13 says, But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened. Notice that hardened by sin's deceitfulness. That's what sin does. It's very deceitful, and it will harden your heart. And here's what happens to people. They, they, they have a boundary set, and then they compromise. They'll compromise, and their heart gets a little harder. And the more you do, the more you want to do. And you go a little bit further, and your heart's a little harder because sin is so deceitful. And you go a little bit further because your heart gets a little bit harder. And the more you do, the more it takes to satisfy you, the law of progression. And then here you are at the very boundary that you set up. And then you start justifying it. Your heart is hard. And you start saying things like, well, Lord, you know my heart. Lord, you know we love each other. Lord, you know we're going to get married one day. Lord, you know you're a God of love and a God of grace. And you end up crossing the line because you got too close to the boundary. Because of the law of progression, the more you do, the more you want to do. Set a boundary and stay far away from it. Let me tell you something about temptation, friends. Let me tell you something about temptation. If you don't tame temptation and sexual sin before you get married, it'll show up in your marriage and wreak havoc once you are married. Here's what people think. People think, well, when I get married then I won't have these sensual problems in my life. And here's the real truth. If you have a lust problem before you get married, you're going to have a lust problem after you're married. If you have a pornography problem before you get married, you're going to have a pornography problem after you get married. Marriage does not take away your sensual problems. And some of you in here, you could testify to that. You could say, amen, preacher, but you don't want to because you're going to owe me, preacher. Listen, you've got to be morally pure before you enter the marriage relationship so that you can have God's best and live under God's blessing. Point number four, there's a, a fourth thing to consider before you say I do. Number four is this, am I spiritually prepared? Am I spiritually prepared? And the Bible clearly says that a Christian, a follower of Christ, should only marry another Christian. Here's what the scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Let me tell you what happens to so many followers of Christ. You can see it over in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 15 and 16. I've seen this happen time and time again. College Ignite. I've seen, I've seen this happen. Ignite, folks. Time and time Again, Revelation 3 and verse 15 and 16. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither cold nor hot. I've seen people who love the Lord. Back when I was in college, after college, when I traveled full time, the six years of pastoring this church, I've seen it time and time again. Single people who love the Lord, they start getting lukewarm. They start compromising. They start letting down their standards. And their heart starts drifting away from God. Some of you married folks are there today. You're right there as well. You're not praying like you should. You're not reading God's word like you should. You're not in church like you should be. And you found that your heart has drifted far away from God. You're making bad decisions. You're compromising. And I've I've seen this happen, I mean, time and time again with singles. A single person drifts away from God, they they become lukewarm, and then they meet somebody that they're compatible with. They meet somebody that they like, and they fall in love. And they get married to somebody who's not a believer, who doesn't really share their same values. But they're so caught up because they're away from God, they're, they're far from God, that they're not even thinking about God's standards and what God says. And then they get married. Three or four years later, they, they have a baby. And all of a sudden, the believer says, I want to get back in church. I want to raise my family in church. And the non-believer says, well, I'm not really. I mean, you met me, married me like this. Why? And now there is strife in that marriage union. Hear me today, singles. You got to be on fire for God. If you're going to meet somebody that's on fire for God... You yourself need to be on fire for Jesus Christ. Listen, some of you in this place, you're lukewarm. And you're in a very dangerous place in your life making bad decisions because you're far away from the Lord. Let me give you one more law before I close. Jot this down. This is very important, very important. Jot down this law. It's the law of attraction. The law of attraction. And here's simply what this law says. You attract who you are, not what you want. Hear me. You attract who you are, not what you want. You see, if you want to marry somebody and attract somebody that's on fire for God, that's sold out to Jesus Christ, that's living by biblical principles, you yourself have to be on fire for God and living for God because you attract who you are, not what you want. I'll meet a lady sometime and she'll say something similar to this. You know what, Pastor? All the men I keep meeting, all of them that are attracted to me, just a bunch of nasty men. I just keep meeting all these nasty men. Why do I keep meeting all these nasty men, Pastor? Well do you want me to answer that? Pastor, I, I don't know what the deal is. I I keep attracting all these loser women. All these loser women keep keep getting drawn to me. All these loser women. I don't know why these lose the women won't me. Well, just maybe. Hello. You attract who you are, not what you want. The reason that I married my wife, she's a gorgeous woman. But I didn't marry her for that. Beauty's fleeting. You know I married my wife. You know the thing that attracts me to her even today, more than anything else, is she loves God. She's sold out to God. She's committed to God. And you know what? My wife married me. She married me because of my good looks. I'm just playing folks. That, that's, a, that's, a, that's a joke. But do you know why she married me? Because I love God. I was committed to Jesus Christ. Our very first date, my wife said she knew she was going to marry me. Our very first day, at the end of the day, I opened my mouth up and said, no, I didn't. I didn't do that. I, didn't. I prayed for her, for our friendship. I was committed to God. I was not lowering my standards. And I attracted who I was, not what I wanted, who I was. I was on fire for God, and I married somebody on fire for God. And I'm telling you, the key to a successful God-honoring, God-honoring marriage is you got to be on fire for God. You've got to be sold out to Jesus Christ. And you'll attract somebody just like that. Lord, thanks for your word and your presence.